Over the past two weeks, the drumbeat of war has echoed uh, from Washington to Beijing, from London to Ottawa. We're not talking about missiles and tanks, we're talking about <coughs> trade war. Uh, what in the world is going on? And are we really on the brink of, the, of war? What's the big deal? Uh, should we even care? Join us on TW Now as we ask and try to answer these very real questions from a biblical perspective. Uh, today on the program, we have two gentlemen who are regular guests. Uh, first, I'd like to introduce Mr. Rod McNair, who's reg a regular guest on our program. And he's drawn attention to this issue with a commentary in Tomorrow's World Today. Uh, also, Mr. Dexter Wakefield. Welcome, Mr. Wakefield. Mr. Welt Wakefield is also a regular guest on our, our program, so welcome, gentlemen. Glad to have you on the program today. Thank you. Uh, Mr. McNair, let me, let me begin with, with you. Uh, we hear all this talk about trade war, and you wrote a commentary in our uh, Tomorrow's World uh, publications today. Um, you asked the question, what is trade war? Let me ask you, what is a trade war? What are we talking about? Well, <clears throat> I guess in the simplest uh, sense, and, and there could be more complicated ways to explain it, but uh, basically when as opposed to two nations or a group of nations working together cooperatively in terms of their economic uh, issues and policies, where they begin to make decisions that are punitive, that are designed to uh, to uh, put themselves at a distinct advantage to the detriment of the other. And typically it will escalate when one, as one nation does this and the other will up the ante and back and forth. And ultimately it's, it's, it, they're, they're competing and they're, they're really trying to harm the other nation without guns and bullets, rather through their economic policies. Okay. Mr. Mr. Wakefield, I want to bring you in on, on the conversation. Uh, you wrote a piece in Tomorrow's World magazine uh, approaching a year ago, I believe I'm looking here, uh, May our May-June issue of the Tomorrow's World, almost a year ago. And the title was, let's see here, Trade War, actually it was just Trade War, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Uh, so are, are you a prophet? Did you have a crystal ball that you were able to see into the future? Uh, what's, what's your take on this? Can you give a little bit of, uh, I should say this, how did you know it was coming? How did you know it was coming? Well, you're referring to the May-June issue, and people can go back and read that for themselves, but it wasn't that hard to do. All you had to do was listen to the campaign rhetoric that was going on. And a lot of this stuff was being talked about and set up back then. Also, as I say, we read the Bible as well. And in doing that, we see some of the events that should be developing in this period of time. But I think it, in no small part, what uh, Donald Trump, the, um, uh, the candidate and also as president, was doing is reacting to policies set in place by the Obama administration uh, over the last eight years. Uh, for President Obama, that America is a source of more problems in the world than, he is, in, than it is in solutions, whereas uh, President Trump believes in American exceptionalism. And I believe he's trying to undo some of these things, particularly where he uh, subordinated, uh, President Obama subordinated American interests to the other interests of other countries 
uh, in trade matters. Oh, okay, uh, and I do want to mention to our audience, of course, as always, if you, if you like the program, <coughs> go ahead and click like, and you want to share it, that would be great. Uh, also, uh, we are going to, I'm, I'm going to personally do a better job, I, I'm going to attempt to do a better job at addressing questions from the audience. So during the program, if you're one of our live listeners, if you would like to submit a program on our Facebook feed uh, or the YouTube feed, go ahead and write your question in there, and our producers will go ahead and um, the idea is that uh, the, the best question that will really uh, help add to the discussion over the first 15 minutes or so we'll go ahead and address in the last part of the program. So uh, go ahead please and write a question in if you, if you, if you have one as we go along. Uh, so back to the discussion, back to uh, Mr. McNair. So what, what are the ingredients that produce a trade, a trade war? What, what are the components that go into a trade war then? Well, I guess one thing would definitely be where one nation feels like they are um, uh, have a distinct disadvantage, that, they, that there's an unfair uh, situation between their goods and the goods of the other country, and that there's a, there's a lack of equilibrium. And clearly, it's not in their interests, it's not in their nation's interests, it's not in their constituents' interests to maintain that. So that would be the beginning stages of it. And again, we're, we're talking about uh, individual steps that would ultimately lead to a, a very punitive, uncooperative situation. But, but that definitely would be one part that uh, there's a distinct inequality. So lay, laying the groundwork for trade war by these things. Let me ask you, are we, is that what's happening today? Well, what, that's exactly what Mr. Trump is responding to, okay. that he is responding to the fact that, uh, that there are uh, other nations that are, uh, that are able to access our markets, and yet we don't have access to their markets in the same way. So he's attempting to uh, deal with this situation. So, so going to taking the next step, uh, Mr. Wakefield, you used in your article here a term, you, you used the, the phrase weapons of, of trade war, I believe, weapons in a, a trade war. Yeah. So now we're taking the next step. What, is that, what did you mean by that? Well, you know, it is like a war, and there are weapons in a trade war. One of the obvious ones would be tariffs. We're seeing now uh, tariffs on steel and tariffs on aluminum, and that's a percentage that is put on of additional cost that's put on anything that is imported, and it raises the cost, and then less is consumed of it. Another is regulations. They put regulations on things uh, that limit what can be imported or the nature of those goods. Another is currency manipulation. China's been accused of keeping their currency very low relative to the U.S. That gives them a purchase advantage as over, of exports over imports. There's several more. Quotas. The U.S. has quotas on sugar. Ask anybody in Florida in, in that area. We have quotas on how much sugar can be imported, so that protects our farmers there. Government subsidies, big deal in China. They have huge subsidies for their steel industry. So that helps their steel industry have lower prices. And then the big one today that's going on right now that I think is a target of this is the sort of the pay to play, whereas our people, our countries can't have access to Chinese markets unless they transfer their technology to China. 
It's kind of, a, some people think it's extortion, others just pay to play, but it operates as to create um, uh, disequilibriums like you referred to between the two countries. So China's promised to uh, reconcile these, but they haven't done it so far. You know, we use this term trade war. Is it hyperbole? Is it an overstatement? Why, why do we use such an aggressive term? Uh, we see the headlines, but in daily life? I mean, uh, are the results really something that impacts those of us walking down the, the street? It, or is it just, is it just a, lot of, a lot of hype, just to, to sell newspapers? You know, I think uh, I, going back to uh, something I heard a long, long time ago, and the business of newspapers is to sell newspapers. Uh, today it'd be on the website. Okay, so what's the, what's the point? Uh, it's big news. It attracts a lot of attention. Are we really going to a, to a trade war? Um, maybe that is a you know maybe we'll come to that conclusion here in in the over time, but probably not. Uh, there's a lot going on that is uh, behind the scenes. There there are there's hyperbole being thrown out, but is it really going to go to uh, an actual trade war? It, it doesn't appear that way, as Mr. Wakefield was mentioning. There there are already tariffs. There are already trade barriers going on, and there will be negotiations as we uh, see this level out. So maybe we'll just continue on sort of uh, choppy seas, but um, things will go on as per usual. And as it has through much of history, have, do we have some examples in history that, that you would, would say actually show that we can lead, uh, the, the trade wars can actually lead to shooting wars. I mean, in other words, is, is, it, is it a possibility uh, or is it, again, just something that is, is, is rough water time? Well, uh, I suppose a trade war could lead to shooting wars, but a lot of times the worst thing that can happen when, is when you have a full-scale trade war like we did after the Smoot-Hawley Act that, impacted so difficultly, uh, so much difficulty on the Great was, Depression. You, you mentioned, I'm, uh, could you repeat that again? What this, this, the, the Smoot, what was? Smoot-Hawley Act. Could this, you tell us about that a little bit? Could, okay, well what, this was done around 1929-1930, whereas uh, President Hoover wanted to fulfill a campaign promise where he says that we're going to have some uh, tariffs put on other agricultural products coming into the United States and reduce industrial tariffs. Well, this got to be a bill in Congress, and when everybody saw what was there, they started log rolling, and everybody put something on it. All of the different congressmen started attaching things that protected their domestic industries, and finally, they had some sort of protection on 20,000 imported goods into the United States. Well, guess what happened? Protests from 23 trading partners all over the place because they were being hit by it, and then they responded with retaliatory boycotts and tariffs of their own. They started shooting with back and forth, so to speak, hmm. with uh, tariffs and regulatory bar uh, barriers and also um, simply boycotts of American products because of these things. So it greatly uh, exacerbated the problems of the Great Depression, and I think everyone agrees on that. Is there any, are we left with any choice though? Uh, because don't we have to do something to prevent our economy from being uh, attacked by, by brigands from other, other countries? I mean, do, is, do we have any, any choice but to take measures like this? Um, well, uh, 
Would you like to take Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Uh, we have uh, multilateral negotiations, and that's usually the way it's handled. They negotiate these things out, and they have negotiated agreements whereby you have certain protections for your economy and certain protections of ours, but it allows them to increase trade between the countries, helps everybody, and everybody agrees on that. But unilateral action, like we're seeing right now from President Trump, uh, is this a pretext for negotiations? Many people think so, and we'll probably talk more about that here in, in a little bit. But it can lead to retaliation, one to another, tit for tat, and then it accelerates into a trade war. It's destabilizing. So that's what everybody's watching, and that's what everybody's nervous about. Okay, I'm going to redirect just a, a little bit here. Um, as we, you brought in the Trump administration in Washington, D.C., I think it's a good, a good opportunity to bring in a guest that we have scheduled for the program today, Mr. Ray Clore. We're going to Skype Mr. Ray Clore in um, to help us to understand a bit more about the workings of, of Washington and the State Department. Welcome to Mr. Clore. Uh, Mr. Clore worked in the State Department uh, from 1977 to 2016, and he worked in seven main locations around the world, including Haiti, uh, Cameroon, Canada, Jerusalem, uh, Jordan, Paris, as well as working out of Washington, D.C. So I do want to welcome Mr. Clore. Thanks for being with us on the program today, Mr. Clore. Thank you, Mr. McNair. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you all. Could, could you uh, add to the discussion from a, a Washington insider's point of view? And you may not like that moniker. Maybe, maybe you'd rather <laughs> I not refer to it that way. But uh, from uh, from Washington point of view, uh, from the State Department point of view, perhaps that's, that's fair. What's, what's going on here? What's, what's the strategy? Well, I've been listening to the discussion, and I just wanted to add one more example where uh, trade policy actually did lead to war, and this was before World War II. The United States was the primary supplier of oil for Japan, and the United States decided we were going to use our oil as an economic weapon to try to get the Japanese to withdraw from China or at least stop their aggression in China. So we cut off oil exports to Japan, which made it um, almost impossible for the Japanese economy to work and that led to the Japanese not only attacking us in Pearl Harbor, but also they attacked south to Indonesia so that they could obtain a more reliable supply of oil. So trade can lead, trade policy can lead to shooting war, and World War II with Japan is one example of that. Okay, okay, thank you. Uh, could you add uh, your sense of a reaction from the international community, community from the different areas where you have been stationed. I know it's a broad brush here, but um, what, what do you, how, how is the United States viewed when we take an American, America first uh, approach to and even uh, embarking on tariffs and this type of thing? What, what, do, you, what do you think the perspective is from uh, both our partners and those who are not on such good terms? Well, I was stationed in Paris for four years, and uh, Europeans, they do have a very strong trading bloc, the European Union. They have also become accustomed to having good access to the U.S. market. They become accustomed to the United States providing, at very low cost to them, a, uh, a military protection umbrella so that they don't have to spend much of their 
uh, gross domestic product on military expenditures or defense. And so when the United States uh, takes some action like the tariffs on steel, for instance, uh, Europeans do make a lot of steel and they do export some to the United States. Uh, they are going to react pretty negatively uh, because they uh, feel that they can, they have a market almost as large or larger than the United States, and they will definitely want to protect their interests. So if we do impose tariffs on steel uh, coming in from Europe, Europeans will uh, impose countervailing tariffs on other products that they think will hurt uh, the United States economy. Did do you think that uh, that will really be hurt? The average person on the street is would truly be hurt by anything that Europe does. I mean, does Europe even matter and to us because of the of the size and the strength of our economy? Should we even care? European tariffs um, will probably be targeted to the uh, congressional districts of those people who actually have votes on the relevant committees. I, I've heard talk that maybe they would put a tariff on bourbon. Um, so would that really hurt American consumers? I don't think so. Uh, so in one sense, I don't think that the Europeans want to completely disrupt the economic relationship because they've been making money hand over fist from us for the last 70 years. So they're going to do things that they think would get some high-profile interest and coverage in the news. But uh, I don't think that we have a real concern at this point uh, for, from the Europeans. Would it, would it reach a point where we would? In other words, is this all a negotiating position uh, that as time goes by we'll all level out and things will back, go back to normal? Or, or do, can we do irreparable harm to our position in leadership or in economic leadership by taking this type of approach? We can always do irreparable harm. It depends on how far you take uh, any particular action. Uh, I don't think that in this particular case uh, the Europeans will want it to go that far because at this point they do not have the military capability to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. They still depend upon the U.S. Uh, Air Force to move their troops if they need to be moved. They still depend upon the U.S. Uh, missile umbrella to protect them. So at this point, they're not going to push it because they really don't have the power to come back behind and stand on their own two feet militarily. Okay, thank you. Um, could you stay with us for a few more minutes? I'd like to come back in studio, but uh, we may bounce uh, back and forth if, if, you, if you're willing. Great. Thank you. Th thank you. Uh, okay, so let's 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 move to the next phase of this discussion. Um, back from the dramatic <coughs> details of the headlines to the twenty thousand foot view. Uh, is there a fundamental cause, a fundamental human cause for the effect of trade wars? Why why does this happen among nations? Uh, <coughs> well, um, when we look at okay. What, is, what, what are the fundamentals of any issue, whether it's political or economic or, uh, or a family, a local community issue? We have to go back to the Bible. We have to go back to what God says, how he, has, he created us. He created uh, our being able to function in society. Okay, So uh, there's something called greed. 
There's something called uh, when one person sees something that someone else has and they want it, as opposed to uh, having a cooperative approach where you work and you produce and you supply, you help uh, supply a need for the other person and they work and produce and supply a need for you and it's mutually beneficial. But does that really work in today's world? I mean, that's, that's from the Bible we can say, <coughs> sure, these are biblical principles, but I mean, uh, some are going to argue that that's okay in the Bible, but in real life, in a capitalist system, uh, a, a system that relies on greed, so can biblical principles work uh, for not just the individual, but for the nation, for nations? I mean, isn't greed good as in terms of a capitalist system? You know, it's interesting that just um, I, a few years ago, I recall reading um, a quote about how, how much uh, the, the, the fact that the British Empire first and then the American uh, structure, the military and economic structure, political structure, had opened the, the economies of the, around the world and protected those open uh, borders, relatively speaking, and had, had, been, had, had played a part in bringing up the overall economic level of, of a couple of hundred countries around the world because of those uh, a bit of more openness to the economic structures <coughs> and the fact that, hey, we can actually do better cooperatively than just, it's all me and I don't want to help you. But then didn't America get great by being America first? In other words, by putting, uh, is that not why we're a great nation? Because we've put ourselves first and other, other nations second? Isn't that why we're, we're where we are? Well, there's a view that says putting America first um, also means fair trade. That when you do multilateral negotiations and everyone increases their own economic activity from having more trade going back and forth, that constitutes putting America first. And that's the general multilateral view. I don't think the Trump administration is opposed to that. My personal suspicion is that they are getting into this in a round of negotiations to improve um, America's um, um, position. But free trade must be fair trade as well. As far as uh, greed being uh, necessary for businesses, I've never agreed with that, and I spent a good bit of my career in it. Uh, greed is incompetence in, in the business world, and people who are greedy tend to make bad mistakes. Corporations look after their own interests in deals all the time. That's what a joint ventures are about. They get together and each one is carefully looking after their, joint, their own interests, but they have aligned interests in order to accomplish a goal. And that's what I think fair trade and proper multilateral negotiations mean. Can, can, can biblical principles be applied to national interests? You know, can, in other words, can they apply in a macroeconomic way? What, Absolutely. I mean, we're we're talking about how uh, they're like the Bible says. God says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Okay, so that's a very specific, very uh, detailed uh, example. But um, when you apply that on the overall in a macro level, uh, what you find is the more people are working, the more people who are going to be able to put food on the table. Uh, these are these are these can be applied on the small level. They can be applied on the large level. 
you know, we could spend the whole program talking about the statutes of ancient Israel. Um, for instance, some um, say just uh, adjust hen, adjust balance and weights and balances and so forth. That means there, have to, there has to be uh, equality in transactions and one person isn't taking advantage of another one by surreptitious or, or wrongful means. Uh, another one is one law for everybody. Everybody operates under the same thing. Many of these biblical statutes are or have come up to us and influence our laws and trade negotiations and these things now. I think uh, we already have many of these principles in operation now simply from the, the Judeo-Christian ethic that has risen up into the world today. Let's move into the last segment. We're almost uh, out of time here. We've got about five minutes left. So uh, I want to go to Mr. Thor again for the, the next question and encourage anybody who would like to ask uh, one last question. We're going to try to go ahead and get some more questions on the program. Uh, I'm sorry, I got away from it here with time, but uh, we've got just a few minutes left. So question for, for, for you, Mr. Clore. Um, after spending a great deal of your life and your professional life working for the State Department overseas, various postings, uh, Jerusalem, Paris, uh, Haiti, and, and, uh, and so on, can we really function as a nation by applying biblical principles on a national basis and not be just run over by other countries 